TLGPE DNA shares some of the tips and tricks required to deliver outstanding PE lessons. In these podcasts, we focus on the how to teach element of PE, looking specifically at how we teach, how we maximise learning and how we grow the individuals. Teach, learn, grow. The principles that TLGPE was founded on. Hi everyone, welcome to this, the TLGPE DNA podcast. I'm Matt and again I'm joined by Colin for this podcast and we're going to talk about the coaching process which is one of the four areas of how we maximise learning in PE. Hello Colin. Hello Matthew. You well? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Good, 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 good. So the coaching process. Yeah, so uh, this is is basically just making sure that we, we understand how coaching impacts in PE teaching. So it's about making that sort of definitive difference between what makes a good coach and what makes a good PE teacher and making sure that we've got all the skills from coaching that we need but we're still merging them into PE and not just having a coach or coaches delivering PE and forgetting about the teaching element of it but taking that skill set of a coach and putting it into our teaching skill set and making us very good PE teachers. Yeah it sounds more complicated than it is really doesn't it but for those without sounding patronising for those who don't know there is there is quite a clear difference between coaching and teaching yeah, there is. but you can see how they get a little bit merged sometimes yeah so, certainly in PE yeah so you you what we're going to try and do here in the next 15-20 minutes is is talk through some of the key coaching elements that need to be integrated into PE teaching yeah so if you are if you are looking at using external coaching companies if nothing else this is the kind of stuff that you would be hoping to see that you can then transfer into your day-to-day job and make you a better teacher of physical education. These are the good bits. Yeah, these are the bits you want to be taking from them. Yeah, Yeah, so we're not talking about things now like learning objectives, like working walls, like like formative assessment. You know, we're talking about good coaching practices that if you integrate into your PE teaching in in your lessons will make a better you'll lesson and you'll see you'll yeah. see better teaching and learning. Yeah. Okay, I mean, one of my favourites from there is um, the, what we call the whole part, whole coaching process. Yeah. Um, which, for those that don't know, is doing something, breaking it down and going back to that something in a very, yeah. very small nutshell. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a technique which is basically used quite a lot and is quite productive. It doesn't work in every situation, but it works in, the, in most of them. Yep. And it's, it's about... It's about creating a game. So, you know, t- we'll take game in its match format. So it's about having a, a football match. It's about then saying, right, something isn't particularly working in this football match. So we're going to come out of that game and we're going to go and do this game, which is a constraint-led game, which means that there are rules in place to make something happen. I want something to happen. And then once we've achieved what we set out to do in that constraint-led game, I'm going to go back to the main game and hopefully what we've developed in the constraint leg game will be evident in the main game. Yeah. So to give you a, a real scenario, um, if, for example, we were playing football yep. and we had a group of year sixes and one of their learning objectives was to um, select and apply the right skills and tactics in when they're attacking football. Right? Okay. So to do that, we give them the scenario of playing small-sided games. So it's all right, 6v6, football, off you go, okay? Now, if we then watch that game and we see uh, the old bees round honey type mentality where everyone's just following the ball 
the heat map of sort of activity would just show a line straight from goal to goal. There's no width to the game. There's no spreading out. What we would do is identify as a coach a potential problem. And then we would bring the, the players in and we'd say, right, look, what is the problem? And we'd try and get them to answer that problem themselves. So yeah. we know that it's width. We know that it's spreading out. But rather than going, right, you aren't, you aren't using width, you aren't spreading out, I'm going to tell you. We're going to ask and ascertain. So they're going to be looking at learning from their own point of view. We would then say, right, how can we change that? What, what constraints can we put into this game which will allow us to focus on width, which will make us get wider, create that environment? And again, you're asking for ideas all the time. You're trying to get the children involved in their own learning. You might have in your head, or you should have in your head, an answer. Yeah. Now, what's really important here is that you listen to the solutions you are given. Because occasionally, very, well, I was going to say very occasionally, but yeah, you know, children will come up with ideas that are better than yours. As yeah. long as it answers the question. So they might turn around and say, okay, well, why don't we put tunnels down the side of the pitch and somebody's got to stand in them for both teams and, you know... Let's give it a try. It's a really good idea. Let's give it a try. Does it then you play it? Does it solve the problem? Well, it doesn't because now we know what's going to happen. So the, they get trapped in the tunnel. Okay, what about the ball has to be passed into the tunnel and can come out again? Yeah, we'll try that. And you, you evolve and you try. So you, you, you focus on a problem in the part and then you go back to the hole. So you go, right, let's now go back to our game. No tunnels, no constraints. But see if we can think about developing that in a game situation because that's then going to help our skill development because we're making decisions based on what's in front of us. So you go you go in to a, a game, you then go into a small constraint-led solution and then you try and put that back into the game without the constraints. Yeah, a couple of things from what you've just said there. It's, it's really important they are learning through games. Whether that be, I know in this situation game meant match, but any sort of games, yep. make games games keep them interested keep them involved yep. keep them engaged another thing is with the whole part whole it is so important that you get to the part part yeah you know this, yeah you have to coach exactly you coach in the games don't just ooh, the biggest the biggest one that there can be an issue with is you turn into a referee yep and you're not there to referee yeah they're your sixes yeah they're there to referee yep um yeah, so it's really important that you do get that coaching part in there. Not what was today's PE? Fifty minute game, sir. We yeah. beat them six four. Yeah, not what you want to. No, so and it's difficult, you know. And it's going back to things like being able to assess on the go, and not assess necessarily individually, but assess the whole performance. Yeah, and just go right. This isn't working because you know. So very much like a lesson in the classroom. You know, sometimes you just sit there and go, "This isn't working. Why not? Yeah. Why is this not working?" And you try and decipher that quickly. You know what what's going wrong, but it, like you say, if you're refereeing, your eyes are thinking about different things. You know, it's just it's a bit like when you coach on a weekend and you have to run the subs as well. You know, something <laughs> something always goes wrong. Either the subs don't get on, or I don't coach the game. I or can't doing do, someone don't come off. I can't do two jobs at once. You know, so it's it, it is about looking at it, and there's all. I think the other thing is that there's always something that can be coached. Oh yeah. So you yeah, know, yeah. you might you might look and go, well, this is going perfectly, isn't it? There's always something. There's always something. It might not be what you set out for it to be. You know, it yeah. might not be, oh, you know, they're going to be awful at width, so I'll plan a width game for the middle. And that's where subject knowledge we talked about in the in a previous podcast is subject knowledge is so important because you've got to be able to pull on what might it be. Now the the good thing is, is from an invasion game's point of view, is that the attacking and defending principles are generally similar. Yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, so 
once you understand width and depth and penetration and you look at control and restraint and improvisation and all these words that resonate through lots of sports all you're actually really doing then is working out how that fits into netball or how that fits into hockey or how that fits into basketball yeah, the equipment or how it fits might into change, yeah. but the, yeah so you know penetration in in basketball and netball is always a good one because to penetrate in basketball you can dribble the ball at pace through holes yeah and you can create those holes by having width having depth moving the defense creating bigger channels to run through to penetrate in netball you have to penetrate by passing you cannot penetrate by dribbling because you can't move with the ball so it's still an attacking principle but what you end up doing in, in netball is trying to transition quicker from end to end by passing the ball whereas yeah. in basketball you see it a lot more slow you know they'll, they'll almost like look at what's available people will move and it's almost like a play yeah you know it's like right we go bang and then you get the acceleration and the burst netball is about ball from my end to your end as quickly as as we can whilst well, on that whilst as a sport I, I do like basketball I like basketball a lot probably my favourite of those two but as something to teach in PE, I think netball's got so many more advantages, personally. Yeah, I mean, it's... Because of what you said, you know, you can't just have... Um, you can't have one player, one player yeah. rule the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and say that's, you know, to coach, I bet basketball would be a lot more fun if you've got all these... But as a PE lesson... Yeah, it's a better team game. Absolutely. I think that's... Absolutely. But, but it's it's preference, it's demographic, of course, it's of facilities, course. it's... And they both have a place, but what what sometimes you struggle with is is they they get merged together because they're both net games or yep. they're both hoop games, whatever you want to call them. So it's like you know we'll we'll do netball in year three, basketball in year four, netball in year five, basketball in year six. But if you're actually progressing your learning properly, that that becomes quite difficult because you're then missing out two years of learning in that sport. And people might argue that well they're still developing in other areas. It's like yeah, but you might miss out on dribbling past somebody in basketball so you go to right here's a dribble but we miss out a whole unit in year four on how to win the ball so when we then get into games i haven't really been taught or shown how to try and get the ball back yeah so what i'm going to do to get the ball back is just let you score because then i definitely get it back <laughs> yeah yeah you know so the, the, there's obviously lots of different techniques and skills in di- different ones yep. in each of those two sports as well and i know in a previous podcast we've went on quite yeah. into depth about technique and skill yeah. but, um, but th- something else you said earlier was uh, you know the the children coming up with ideas so I think the best the right to learner led coaching yeah. if you like that's certainly as you get later on in the years of primary huge yeah and absolutely that's, huge that's that's a coaching shift yeah you know so I think if you if you're uh, lucky enough or you've been able to go out and do national governing body coaching qualifications depending on how long ago you did those you would see a shift in the focus of governing bodies into how they want sports to be coached and without ranting again because I feel like I rant on some stuff like this is that learner-led coaching is about developing athletes who understand the challenges that they will face when they play their match so it's not about developing coaches who can deal with what may arise. It's about having the athletes who can go and deal with what's in front of them. So it's okay, it, yeah. it, it's heads up rugby, for want of a better term. It's it's not about you. we play this phase from this position in this situation and it's all about me making you a great play. It's about developing players who can put their head up and go, actually, this is on, let's go. Decision making, yeah. You, know, you come to me, I'll go to him, we're in, we're out. And it's decision makers and... You know, to do that, 
learners, players, athletes need to be involved in the coaching process. And if as soon as it becomes prescriptive and it becomes coach-led, and we are going to do this because that's what I've planned, you get a much lower response from the athletes. Yeah. And I think that trans- transitions down to primary PE. I was just going to say that, yeah, you're saying about the governing bodies and stuff, but it is, it's, it, it does... Slightly diluted a touch, maybe, but it's it still works. Yeah, and it's, but it, it it dilutes because it's it's it can be a harder thing to teach. You know, yeah. that's fundamentally why it dilutes. It dilutes because what's easier from a coaching point of view or a teaching point of view? What's easier, writing a plan and sticking to it, or writing a plan and then saying to the kids, right, what's going wrong, and them saying this, and you going, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Right, we're gonna have to change this, but this isn't on my plan. What's easier? Well, just sticking to the plan yeah which is a coach led environment yeah so it's basically like I don't really care what's right or wrong this is what we're learning today but sir when this happens this happens we need to be able to deal with that well we'll deal with that another week you, you, help, you help me write my plan for next week yeah but actually what I need to do is not just carry on regardless I need to whilst we whilst the children have identified that issue address it and that becomes a focus point on a, on a, on a learner led environment you know and they, they shape their own learning now I think it's important to say at this point that you're not you're not doing that parameter free, you know. So it is still in the constraints of the game. Yeah. And good coaches will will create a learner led environment that gets them to where the coach wanted them to go anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's a there's a big thing about um, how you know coaching and teaching is different in the way you find out whether children have understood what you do confirming understanding you know yeah. key to, uh, children have understood what's expected of them or what's working or what's not working now yeah. as teachers you will have your own ways of doing that or you you'll know what I, what you see sometimes with coaches is i think we've, we've said it before you get a lot of do you all understand yeah yeah great you know and it's do they all understand they Look, all know how to say yes but confirming understanding is not just about asking somebody a question no. and getting an answer. So confirming understanding is making that what you have seen or what you have tried to teach habitual into what they do. So it's going back to this mastery of PE. Like type muscle memory type thing. Yeah, yeah, so do you understand? Yes, I do. Right, well, what are we classing as understanding? Are we, under- are we classing as understanding in that you remembered it today and I told it you five minutes ago yeah. or are we confirming understanding of something that now becomes part of your practice ongoing yeah one thing one thing I've seen some people do before is as they're asking questions they're not asking for people to put their hands up to answer they'll ask a question and they'll have whatever sport they're doing they're doing handball today and they'll throw a handball to somebody and they're not really they'll listen to it but not really bothered whether they've got the answer right or wrong they've actually watched when they didn't know a ball was coming to them, how they put their hands and yeah. them in the right place and stuff. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Do you yeah, know things like that. Yeah, and uh, I think that you know, confirming understanding is is not just a, a, a do you understand what I've said to you? You know, do you understand what I'm telling you? That's we've talked about that before. That's that's questioning styles. That's yeah. This is this is about do you really understand? So if we go back to the width in football, it's like right. Do you understand where you should be, what width is? Yes, I do. Right. Do you understand what why, benefit yeah. width brings to it? Do you understand why you do it? What is the implications of us being wide in football? What does it do? It creates better passing options for us. It creates more space for us to play in. It makes the defence either go wide to combat us, which then creates holes to pass through or penetrate through in the middle, 
or they stay narrow and it creates space for us to attack down the wide sides and then get crosses in. So confirming understanding is not just about what is width or it's when people go wide, it's why. What's the point of it, yeah. What's the point? And that's not just something you would do with year five and six, you know, it's about, it's looking at things like, you know, throwing and catching with year one and two. Why is it important that you get into the flight of the ball? Well, I can't catch it. Okay, so why do you have to, why do you have to get in line of it? Well, I need to get to my, somewhere where my hands will reach it. So what's actually the important part of catching? Watching the ball. Now, most people will actually say, what's the most important catching? Having your hands Having ready. Having your hands ready, yeah. But actually, if, you hand, if I stand you know, straight in front of you and you throw the ball over my head, if I'm just standing there with my hands out, I'm not going to catch it. No. I've got to move. I've got to watch the ball. I've got to get into its flight. And that's why when you look at throwing and catching, you look at balloons. And I think we've talked about this before, that you know, every kid can catch a balloon because it comes down slow. Yeah. So you know, you then you change your equipment and you progress. But fundamentally, why can they catch a balloon? When you when you analyse it, they can catch a balloon because they have time to get under its flight or get into its flight as it's dropping. Whereas you don't have that if you throw a tennis ball up because it's up and then it's down. And before you know it, it's happened. Yeah. I mean, I, you were saying about the width as well. You know, confirm and understand of width. For example, it, it, it just reminded me of the time that we were remotely assessing a lesson and we saw a young girl in year five who was stood out wide on her own on a, on a hockey pitch I think it was at the time and I, I said brilliant you know, she understands width she's the only one out there and then it created that debate if you were like or does she not want the ball mm. so that's when you quit that's when the person who's in the lesson would then need to be able to say to this girl what are you doing there Oh well, I saw there was nobody out here, and if the ball comes out, I've got loads of space. She does understand. Yeah, I think or, that you, know you I mean? can you can still see that. I mean, obviously, we do quite a lot of remote assessing, and you can still you can generally see the actions. You know, the the hand signals. You can see the mouth moving to call the ball. You can see them tr moving slightly narrower as the ball goes from one. You know, so if if the ball's in the middle. Uh, being sort of on the touchline is good for width, but if the ball goes over to the right, actually you want your left winger to come in a little bit, yeah, because yeah. otherwise the passing distance comes too great. So you can start to see things like that, which thinks, oh yeah, they got it. If they literally are stood and you're not sure whether they're a sub or they're playing, they're that close <laughs> to the touchline, yeah. and they haven't moved up and down with the game, and all, then you start to think, actually, they, they probably don't understand width, they're just avoiding the play. Yeah. And, you know, in, in rugby, forget tag rugby, in rugby that's, that's quite a common defensive thing to do, you know. If you don't, if you don't fancy it, defend at the end of the line, you know, defend in the wing area because it's less likely that certainly, someone's going to again certainly at, at, at junior at level, junior level where yeah. you might get one or two passes for. So does that child understand that you know we defend across the pitch, or are they just hiding from the action in the middle? Yeah, I mean the point I was getting to with that that particular one that we were remote said was it was it's easily answered by a question or two from the teacher or whoever you know yeah understanding is generally can why? you tell me about it yeah can you tell me why and but you can still see understanding by decision making you can still see understanding by you know depth is always a good one when people when people are attacking a d in things like netball basketball hockey is the ability to bring the ball out of the d after it's already gone in yeah you know so change the point of attack for want of a better term that generally gives you the idea that people understand depth because depth is used to create a different angle. Um, and if you do that, most people who are in effect passing away from the goal to go back in, making a decision to sacrifice the shot to create a better one, 
generally have a better understanding about those that shoot regardless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. This is. I'm going to go back to little one of our little nostalgia moments here again. But I remember a story you told me a few years ago. I think it was somebody who lived nearby you or something was a, a junior scout for a football team or something. Yeah, my next door neighbour. Next door neighbour, and he was. I was he, he was watching a game or something and some kid scored nine goals in this game out yeah. of nine shots who was blah, the kid he'd been sent to watch that's right yeah go on yeah, you can, yeah, it's your story go for it no, so yeah I mean it's it's a good one he, he he was a scout I won't say the club he was a scout at but he was a scout at a at that point Premier League club and he'd been sent locally to watch a young lad eight or nine maybe I don't know you know young yeah, certainly um, primary level yeah primary level yeah. Up, yeah Um and he went and watched him and I think obviously the parents the kids parents knew that he was coming to watch him and he yeah he bagged eight or nine goals and at the end of it um, he went onto the pitch and he went up to another child and started talking to him with their parent with his parent uh, and the coach came over and said oh no you, you're here to see him and he went yeah but I want to talk to him and basically the long and short of it was is that this particular lad who he spoke to um, had made decisions and this was the thing he was saying that he wanted to see was that you know the, the kid who scored was yes he was good at finishing but n- most of his goals have been created by this other lad making the right decision of when and when not to release the ball not directly to him by the way not directly yeah, yeah, to the yeah. kid who's scoring but his vision and he said Steve his name is my next said he said the big thing that that got me was he always had time. He just he, he was he was able to drop away from the play to pick the ball up, lift his head up, Looked and up, make yeah, a decision. Yeah, and he said, and and you know what? Three out of ten went not where they were meant to. But I can work on that. You know, we've got coaches who can make him more accurate in his passing. They can improve his technique. They can improve his skill. What is difficult to improve is that ability, uncoached, to put yourself in a position where you've got more time, lift your head up, have a look around and decide at nine years old that although this kid might score, the better option is to try and get it to this kid who is in a better position. Yeah. And it's and you say you put that in the in the context of what we're talking about, that is, you know, the fact that he did all that confirmed his understanding of what his role was, what he had Correct. to do. Correct. And he made perfectly. decisions. And you know, that's the other thing, so he made decisions. It was a it was a learner led environment. He wasn't told every time to drop back. He wasn't told to ping the ball to the right wing. He wasn't told to roll it back to the goalkeeper. He wasn't told to, you know, so a good coach can generally coach quietly. Yeah. You know, so if you watch if you watch coaches in the Premier League, some of them will be up in the technical area barking instructions all the time. Others will sit with their feet up and just watch. Because if you if you're relying on your team doing something because you've said so don't get me wrong there's a place for it you, know, yeah, you have yeah. a different you have a different viewpoint from that so you can still input important stuff but if you're constantly barking you know rah, 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 as soon as you stop barking actually what happens is the players then look at you as if to say has he gone has he died <laughs> you know where's the noise rather than right this is what he's actually saying by not talking is that I need to come up with this myself we need to actually sort it yeah you know so and it's the same with teaching you, you have you have your moments to input. You have your moments to say what you need to say, but then you can go back and you can just watch and assess and, and make sure that 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 knowledge is just resonating through. And that's the coaching process in a 15, 20 minute nutshell. Um, so I hope you've all enjoyed that. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, don't forget, we've still got all the uh, all of the 12 podcasts, and the podcasts even in the TLGP DNA program. And you'll hear from us again pretty soon.